0: Bitcoin fixes the money, the beef initiative fixes the food and nutrition. Step into some new awareness that incorporates some much needed food intelligence into your life. This is Texas Slim with Texas Slim's vision. Hey guys, how are we doing this morning? I'm here today. This is Texas Slim with Jimmy Song. Hey Jimmy, how are you doing?
1: I am doing great, Um, you know, it's it's a nice like Spring day in Texas, though, those tend to be pretty nice. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, I, I always like the springtime in uh, central Texas. And, and it reminds me when I first moved there, and it was like a new form of uh, your spirit changes a little bit and you kind of get happy. And, you know, winter's behind us. And, you know, down in central Texas, it's nice because it's not too hot yet. It's not too humid. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, we can get some rains. The rivers start flowing. You know, the streams start coming up. You get all the blue bonnets. And, you know, it's a beautiful time. It really
1: is. And like people underestimate the beauty of Texas for a lot of reasons, but it really is kind of beautiful in the spring.
0: It's something that, you know, you have to go around Texas. Texas has got five major regions. And, you know, Mm. some of my favorite is the Hill Country. And, Mm. you know, in just going into that, you know, you're going to be speaking at our conference in Kerrville, Texas, on April 23rd, the Beef Initiative Conference. I chose Kerrville because I wanted everybody from Austin to have to make that drive (laughs) through the Hill Country. (laughs) You have to, you know, you can go through some small towns. You you, You have opportunities to go through Yano, Mason, Johnson City, Fredericksburg Kerrville there's so much history through there and to spend a weekend in the Texas Hill Country uh, it's a good way to start off the year so mm. uh, we both just got back from Miami uh, how was your experience in Miami? Well
1: I, I took it a little bit easier this year because uh, you know it, it was just way too much last year and uh, you know didn't go to quite as many parties and I you know um, tried to hold back a little bit and go to bed early and stuff like that. It, and it, it definitely worked out. Um, and I wasn't quite as uh, sick or tired after I came back. So <laughs> very glad about that.
0: It's funny. I didn't take too many clothes. I was, I was stayed about two blocks away from the conference. so uh, mm-hmm. It was easy to walk, uh, but everything else, I think I walked probably about 60 miles and the I didn't what? take any, I'm joking. <laughs> it was close. To, it felt like it because I had my cowboy boots on the whole, t- the whole conference conference. conference, except for the day that I went down to the beach. So I got a lot of walking in and I, I, I met a lot of people for the first time Mm -hmm. in person. And that's what I really took away from it. You know, it was really nice, you know, going up and being able to have these conversations and really kind of be intentional with it, get away from the social media division, you know, the division of interpersonal communication. I talk about a lot, um, you know, and had some really base conversations. I saw you had some flight troubles.
1: Oh, yeah, I definitely did. I, I don't know what was going on in Florida, but they had high winds or something. But two of my flights just got canceled, which is very strange for a flight to get canceled. Maybe it gets delayed or something. But, uh, you know, the first flight was like Sunday morning and it just got canceled. The second flight was Sunday evening and it uh, you know I went to the airport. We stood there right up until we were supposed to start boarding. And they just canceled it. It was like, what is going on? Um, And I only made it on the third flight, which was like a a Tuesday. And basically a lot of other Bitcoiners were on that flight. But I I finally made it. it. It was rather strange how we got all treated, but uh, <laughs> right.
0: Right I mean, every, I heard a lot of stories, you know, Adam, uh, Curry, he got canceled a couple of, he was going to have a vacation too. And he ended up in Florida because he couldn't get to where he was trying to go. So yeah, I think that's how he ended up on the stage because a lot of his flights got canceled and he ended up flying into Fort Lauderdale. So, but mm-hmm. anyways, we're here. We're now, uh, we're moving forward. Um, you're in Austin. A lot of people know that a lot of people, uh, know your story and everything, and what we're trying to do with the beef initiative, and and what you and I have talked about before is, you know, we're bringing faith into Bitcoin, we're bringing faith back into our food, and mm-hmm. understanding, you know, getting to the source of the seed. It's what I like to call it. You and I met in Austin, Texas, at a meetup that uh, KNC Cattle had uh, put on, and you know, of course, Cole with KNC Cattle bought him. He brought a bunch of different cuts and you know that was uh, it was eye-opening for a lot of people there's a lot of education that goes back into really understanding where pure animal protein comes from mm. um, a couple of weeks ago I saw that you had uh, posted a picture that I guess you got your shipment from KNC cattle <laughs> let's let's start there okay let's start there and see you know your freezer size uh, wh- how you approach getting you know what was it a quarter of a cow a half a cow I'm not for half sure a cow, half, half a cow, cow. Yeah. okay let's 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 dissect that that's going to be fun
1: yeah well so i i I was really intrigued by uh this idea that i can you know deal directly with a rancher that's near me uh and you know can see cattle obviously were at that meetup i bought a couple of tomahawks a denver steak and a chuck eye um from can i I think i bought the two tomahawk ribeyes that he had cooked it the next day it was absolutely delicious i posted it on social media and everything and people are like all right where do i get one of these so i i had a good impression of the meat uh, and you know i i you know kept talking to cole and he indicated that i could order like a half a cow so i was like all right i i want I want a bunch of meat uh you know like with inflation and everything and you know rumors of food shortages i just wanted to be prepared so i went out and uh there was a costco deep freezer for sale for like 300 bucks which is like i don't know 15 cubic feet or something like that so i was like okay let's let's go and get one of these i don't think it was that expensive it was like 300 bucks put it into my garage and uh called up cole i was like all right can you uh, you know, deliver me half a cow and can I pay him Bitcoin? And he was like, sure. Um, and, uh, and, you know, he came to my house, uh, you know, like we had, I don't know, 200 something pounds of meat, um, from the half a cow. Uh, a lot of it is ground beef. A lot of it is, you know, ribeye and everything else, uh, but absolutely gorgeous meat. Um, and we we filled up the freezer it was kind of crazy I I can't believe a half a cow I I have half a cow in my uh in my garage right now um but yeah we he he delivered it we I've been eating it since and I I gotta tell you I like I love the ground beef I like I I kind of feel like a schmuck for just eating like a lot of the ground beef but I can't get enough of it it's just so good and you know, I, I, I'm I basically making burgers every day, right? Like just, uh, you know, taking these like two pound ground beef packages, melting it, and then, you know, seasoning it and just cooking it up. It, it's like so simple, but it's, I, I, I'm very happy just eating the burgers. I don't have to have like the really fancy cuts. Of course, I love ribeye and everything else, but I, I like ground beef. I don't know. What, what,
0: what, what can I say? No, you're exactly right. You're reading my mind because whenever you do get a half a cow, a quarter of a cow, full of cow, of course, but you're going to get a lot of ground beef and people don't understand the quantity, but really it's kind of a subsidy to your diet that actually works. You know, you can get creative or anything, but you know, whenever I'm busy, I always just grab one of those packages of ground beef, or you know, and I do, I, I make two big burgers and I, I'm off to the races, man. I'm, I'm easy on the, you know, the preparation is not hard and it, you do, you start craving it. It's a, it's a totally different experience. It, it's just so
1: good. It's, a, you know, you, you just season it with whatever. And then, um, you know, I, I, uh, I have an auto wild grill, so I'll, I'll put the patty on there and it'll, it'll, you know, make it taste really good. Cause you, you, you get that nice, crispy outside and you know you get you get like uh medium rare in the middle and it's it's just delete i i and i taught i've been telling everybody hey i have like half a cow in my house that i paid for with bitcoin and they're like what how do you do that (laughs) (laughs) it's like i i love having this like direct connection with uh with with the food producer rather than going through like Seven or eight different, you know, intermediaries, and mm-hmm. uh, you know the the way Cole processes the the meat, it's like just more delicious because he's like hanging it for fourteen days. I know that in the grocery store they they don't really hang it or age it in any way. They just they just sort of package it up so that they can sell it for the larger amount of poundage, or or, or mm-hmm. you know they're they're concerned more with that profit. So I, I've noticed like this stuff just tastes better and it's uh, it's probably more nutritious. I don't know. Um, but, you know, it's it's just better meat. And, you know, it, it has sort of like a little bit of that, um, you know, concentrated, like sort of almost not quite dry age, but like, um, you know, more of a beefy taste, which I really like. And, yeah, know, I, I don't I don't know. It's a, it's so simple. And. I, I haven't been buying my meat from Costco since <laughs> it's, right. it's, it's, it's really good.
0: <laughs> well, you, you bring up a lot of good points and it is far better, you know, of a form of dense pro- protein, you know, you know, working with Cole this last, this, this last six months, what we've, you know, kind of, we're partnering up, you know, the beef initiative and KNC cattle and, you know, mm-hmm. ranchers across the United States are going to start coming through the beef initiative as well to get exposure, to be able to say, Hey, this is how, this is our protocol of, of how we raise our animals, you know, our, our our beef. And so by knowing that, we've been talking about a vertical integration back into human health. And what we mean by that is that we're going to start, you know, the regenerative mo- model. We start with the soil then we go to the grass and then we go to the the cow the cow go to the producer producer to the processor processor to the supplier then you create a new market access and that's what mm-hmm. you're talking about being able to source from somebody that actually knows that integration all the way through they are all of those touch points instead of a- each one of those being a separate touch point and that's kind of how our industrial food complex works especially within our meat industry 85% of our meat in the United States is processed by four global companies and that's it. And all of those companies are not really based in the United States. So a lot of our meat is not coming from the United States. If they're going through these processors, our beef is going overseas. We're getting beef from different countries, either South America, Australia, you know, parts of Europe. And so we as consumers are really not told this so whenever you're able to source locally and you're able to source through a vertical integration of our food supply, your life is going to change. Your nutrition is going to change. Your nutrition for your kids are going to change. You're going to be less um, worried about where your food is coming from. You're actually in the long run, you're going to save money because if you're eating this type of dense animal protein, you are your your health is going to improve and your your medical costs in the long run are going to go down. I mean, we have the proof of that. So there's a big model that we're working on that everybody, especially in the Bitcoin world that we're starting with, that you can come to the Beef Initiative and go with a partner like KNC Cattle and buy beef with uh, Bitcoin. And mm. so you were one of the first uh, innovators of that, which you innovate a lot. <laughs> you've been around for a little <laughs> bit. And, you know, you, you brought the discussion of, uh, you know, God and faith and Bitcoin um, for, mm. for people out there that don't know who you are, Jimmy. Kind of give us a, a, an understanding of your approach and your philosophy of, of the book that you, you've written and of, you know, the speech, speeches and the lectures that you do give.
1: Yeah, so I'm a programmer. I've been a programmer since I was like nine years old. So this is uh, very familiar territory. And that's that's how I got into Bitcoin is because I'm a programmer. Um, I did uh, study some of the economic aspects of money and stuff after 2008. And when I... Uh, first saw Bitcoin in twenty eleven. I, I kind of got it because I had the computer science and economics background to be able to really understand what's going on. Um, so that that's my foray into Bitcoin. But uh, but you know, like more than that, I, I'm also a Christian, and I've been for a very long time as well. And that that's something that's been very important to me. And I, I never really expected those two worlds to really collide uh, until you know I started. Um, on the Bitcoin circuit. So I I started writing a lot of articles in 2017, uh, explaining a lot of the technical issues to sort of like a lay audience. A lot of people were into Bitcoin, but they didn't really understand what was going on underneath, uh, especially with the block size wars and the scaling wars that were going on in 2017. And I was just sort of explaining things and that's how I became a, uh, you know, somebody known in Bitcoin basically. Um, and as that uh, sort of process went on, I, I eventually ended up leaving the job that I had and starting to, um, you know, teach developers how to program Bitcoin. So that became sort of like my business. I also went and uh, went and spoke at different conferences, and I started meeting a lot of people. And I'm I, I've always been sort of open about my faith, and I started meeting other people in Bitcoin that were also Christians. Um, and uh sometime in 2020 as we got into the pandemic we decided to do some sort of like a Bible study on money and you know what what does what, what does the Bible say about money right like what what's uh, you know because they're, they're you know Jesus talks about money more than any other topic um, so we did we did a little bit of a study on that and, uh, and it was very fruitful and uh, you know, some of my uh, Christian friends uh, indicated that they wanted to learn a little bit more about the economics. So uh, we we studied um, uh, ethics of money production from Guido von Halsman and Honest Money by Gary North. Um, Guido von Halsmann if I'm not mistaken, is Catholic, uh, but also an Austrian econ- e- economist. And he wrote uh, you know, the ethics of money production from that perspective. So when he's talking about like ethics there, it's, it's very much uh, a Christian ethic that, uh, that you, you refer to. And there, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, analysis of the current monetary system, the central bank-backed fiat monetary system from that perspective. Um, and Gary North is an evangelical Christian. Um, He passed away recently, but he was an advisor to Ron Paul. He's written a lot of homeschool curriculum. um, And studying that book was also very fruitful and just learning about Um, the immorality of the current fiat monetary system. So we enjoyed both books, but they were both written before Bitcoin and they were kind of depressing in its conclusion because uh, you you, you hear about all of the ways in which the fiat monetary system is just so immoral and broken and causes all of these bad incentives in society and causes people to have high time preference. And, you know, um, not living for tomorrow, uh, but living just for today and, uh, you know, having civil de behavior and, you know, their conclusion is, well, that means that we have to get back to a gold standard. So we must lobby Congress and, uh, you know, um, get a political action committee together to do that. And it's like we're reading it and we're thinking there is no way that's ever going to happen. And we wanted to write a different book to make a lot of the same arguments with respect to the Federal Reserve, um, you know what, what fiat uh, money really is like and how immoral it is, and give more hope by showing Bitcoin at the end and, and telling a little bit more about that. Um, so really it was, uh, it was inspired by those books and this uh, COVID Bible study that basically that we did and uh, and, you know, we, we wrote the book, Thank God for Bitcoin, um, you know, to show what this, uh, you know, ethical, moral argument, especially for Christians is like, because honestly, a lot of uh, a lot of Christians just have no idea um, how the monetary system works, so much like a lot of the work that you're doing, Slim. It's uh, it's, you know, a lot of Christians have no idea how the food system works. Right. Like and. You know, one of one of the big inspirations for me when writing this book was was Joel Salatin, uh, who I'm sure you're familiar with. But he's he's a Christian farmer, basically, and he uh, he makes this wonderful case for uh, you know like a biblical model of farming in uh, you know the marvelous pigness of pigs, a book I which I thoroughly enjoyed, and he he talks all about how. Uh, You know, God's design for the world, Um, you know, the the reason that we he put us uh, put Adam and Eve in charge of the garden was because it's they could enhance the garden uh, and all the animals in it, and I, I found his argument essentially really convincing. And his argument was, you don't want to go to one extreme where you're, you know, leaving everything alone, right? Like uh, this is sort of like the radical environmentalist uh, position of you can't touch anything, you have to leave nature to do absolutely everything, and you, you're not allowed to, uh, you know uh, manipulated in any way. That's one extreme. And the other extreme is sort of like the very capitalist or almost like, um, you know, uh, sort of like strip mine, everything uh, mm-hmm. of nature, right? Like go, go in, take it and exploit it as much as possible. And it, his point is that there's ac- actually a third way that's a better way. And that's what we're called to do, which is we're supposed to enhance nature because we're we're part of nature, and you know, th- this is his argument as a farmer. Is you know, as a farmer, you you actually can help a pig express its pigness more <laughs> by being a good farmer, and you can help the land express itself more uh, through your work as a farmer. And you can do the same with cows and chickens and everything else. Instead, we we've gone down this road of you know commercial uh farming which is monocropping a lot of um you know like uh you know chickens that are commercially farmed and so on which is absolutely cruel and unusual and uh just not respecting you know the uh you know how God created them and i, I you know for me learning the that was uh, like it it inspired me to learn a lot more about like where my food was sore so um you know we I, afterwards I told my wife hey let's get some chickens and she's wanted chickens for a while so we we have backyard chickens now and we're getting eggs straight from them and we're able to you know like see that they're we're enhancing their life by being sort of like mini farmers in our own way and uh you know that that sort of same sort of spirit of you know we're we're part of a a greater order a a, a sacred order uh you know of sort of like a, a a greater design and fitting into that in some reasonable logical way as to enhance everything else um you know that 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 to me was very inspiring and i think you know like that's what we also want with money because it's it's essentially spiritual and it's It helps us to know where where to fit within a greater societal order. Um, But it's been corrupted, much like commercial hawk farming or something like that, where it's it's completely abusive and doesn't, uh, you know, it it makes uh, the people in charge very rich, uh, but it's not good for anybody else.
0: No, it's not. And, you know, once again, getting back to the source of the seed of our money, of our food, um, you know, Joe Salanton, in in a lot of people that follow him, you know, basically, we are stewards of the land, we're stewards of the animals, you know, as a shepherd would be Uh, a lot of my friends, you know, they don't even like to call themselves ranchers, they like to call themselves grass farmers. Mm. And, you know, uh, animal producers, you know, mm-hmm. and that is true because what you're doing is you're, you're using land tools to regrow the soil. And there's a process that you can you, you can do there. There is a harvest. There is four seasons within the animal themselves, within the spirituality, within the, the, the soil, the, the stewardship of regrowing that soil. The monocropping that has occurred in the United States, you get all kinds of statistics and, you know, studies that basically within 10 years, our soil is destroyed. It's depleted of Mm -hmm. all of its minerals. Uh, We've done that through, of course, monocropping and the explosion of the chemical companies that started really picking up steam after World War II because we were making a lot of bombs. Well, we turned those bombs into fertilizers, fertilizers into chemicals of pesticides and herbicides. You know, we're not going to go deep down there, but there's there's been a process within the last 50 years of my life, basically, that we have been doing that. And you can see it. You can see the the output that is coming. You can see somewhat of the nutritional starvation that this country is starting to go through. And if you whenever I got into Bitcoin, I leveraged my understanding of what food used to be and what it is now. I started looking at health. Uh, Money, Bitcoin and food and how it's processed, the touch points of everything, the centralization and the decentralization of of how we should approach our monetary values, uh, our store values and the value of our nutrition and once you do that once you can associate the understanding of the Bitcoin ethos into something that is you know kind of important to you in your life which food should be for everybody I tell everybody if you're not if you're if you're in Bitcoin and you're not looking at food then you're not a true Bitcoiner and I don't mean that as a stab <laughs> it's just you know it's something that you can kind of get somebody's attention with because if we're saying the money is debased where you you better understand that our food is debased as well because all we've been doing is st- stop by stacking st- uh, fake value on top of fake value. And we see that in the food industry as far as them trying to eliminate protein out of our diets and another fake commodity coming down the road. We've had all the seed oils, the canola oils, and now the fake meat movement is upon us. They've spent hundreds of billions of dollars to create a new industry of fake uh, protein, whether it be from 3D printed meat or stem cell meat or uh, soy pea protein. You know, it's all a deception that is basically falling on the coattails of er how we got here. Uh, You know, I talk to a lot of physicians and I really focus on the health of children. You know, that's the most important thing that the Beef Initiative is doing. I had a podcast yesterday with uh, Dr. Mary Carr. She's an MD out of Dallas. She'll also be speaking at the conference, and we had a pretty serious discussion yesterday. Um, she is a woman of faith, uh, very strong in her her field of study of medicine, and she she came some she came with some uh, red flags. She was telling me that a lot of our children are coming to her, and they have fatty liver disease. Mm. In, In young ages, that is caused by basically a lot of these fake commodities, processed sugars, high fructose corn syrup, the seed oils that we're implementing, the fake proteins that we're giving them, the hormonal imbalances that are occurring with all of that. So when we look at food and Bitcoin and the source of the seed, we need to understand that the health of this nation is being jeopardized and it's starting to show up in our children. Uh, I know that you're a family man and I know that you have children as well. And I can't think of a more important way to steward our children, but to really start with pure animal protein and nutrition because it's going to be so important to create those on ramps, knowing somebody that can, you can source your food from that you have a personal relationship with that you can decentralize with the monetary value with basically Bitcoin if you so choose. And you can have that relationship and that, that sense of uh, empowerment of having that food security.
1: Hmm. Yeah. There, there's like an artificiality that I think, um, originated with fiat money. So if you think about what fiat money is, it used to be um, you know, paper currency that represented gold, right? It was a representation mm-hmm. of something. And inflation essentially like sort of made it less and less representative of the base thing that it was supposed to represent. So it used to represent, you know, you used to be able to turn in $20.67 into a bank, and you'd get one ounce of gold. Um, FDR put a stop to it with Executive Order 6102. A year later, he revalued gold to $35 per ounce. Um, and eventually in 1971, Nixon just cut the ties to it and said you, "There's no, no one is allowed to uh, convert gold anymore into, uh, convert dollars anymore into gold. And really, there, the, the money became more and more artificial, kind of like how food became more and more artificial. It used to be real food, where, which was grown in a real way. Instead, like trying to sort of scale up, there, there's like a, a monetary debasement that corresponds to a food debasement, a nutrition debasement. Uh, and it's largely done in parallel because when you have inflation of money, there's uh, motivation at every level to try to keep the prices the same, and the easiest way to do that is to, um, you know, lower the quality. Which is why I think like commercial farming of all kinds, monocropping, and things like that uh, come into prominence because you need, uh, in order to deliver, you know, a pound of chicken at a certain cost, you can either raise. Uh, you can raise the price, which consumers won't like, or you can debase the chicken. And basically what they've chosen to do is to debase the chicken or the cow or a, a, anything else. And you get uh, these perverse incentives, which uh, as you point out, result in people getting less healthy, right? Like uh, the, the debasement of the food meat ultimately means the debasement of our bodies. Um, and, we're seeing that in children, we're seeing that in adults too. And, the, uh, you know, seed oil has all these like very deleterious effects, especially going into older age. Um, you know, like, lot, you know, a lot of people's brains just sort of turn to mush after, you know, like consuming seed oils for 30 years or something like that. Um, and it's, it's no wonder that they get dementia and all these other sort of like old age diseases, which weren't as prominent, like, say... 50 or hundred years ago. So you're, you're seeing a debasement of everything along with the debasement of the money. And I, I, I think these are very related and I would go so far as to say that we're seeing like a debasement of spirituality too. Like what, what it actually means to be a Christian has been debased as well because of the debasement of the money. And it, it's all related. And, it, it, and when, when you're, uh, you know, uh, like money is sort of like a way in which we value things, uh, how we measure the value of something. And if we don't have, if that's constantly changing or being debased in some way, well, our sense of value of other things also uh, get, uh, get is sort of like topsy turvy and constantly changing. And it, it causes an instability. I, I call money like a base layer of civilization. And when you have that, being so unstable as it has because of inflation, because of money printing and all that, well, all the other things go out of whack because money is a, a good way to measure a lot of these things, and we we have the debasement of food, debasement of money, the debasement of uh, spirituality, debasement of nearly everything. There's there's a reason why so many people. Feel so fake and inauthentic. It's because our money is fake and inauthentic. It's because our food is fake and inauthentic. It's because our faith is fake and inauthentic. And uh, all of that is it, it is related uh, to this general debasement that's going on uh, in society. And it's uh, it's a sad reality. But thankfully, we're we're starting to come back to the real, the the actual. Um, Real thing and not just the representation. And that's that's what's wonderful about Bitcoin. That's what's wonderful about what you're doing with this food uh, beef initiative, because you're you're actually getting the real thing instead of some fake imitation or artificial uh, substitute for it. And, uh, you know, like that, that's what our bodies are designed for is it, it's that real stuff. That's what our spirits are designed for is the real stuff. It's, uh, and there there's an alignment here because this is all real stuff instead of the fake stuff. Um, you debate something enough, it becomes completely artificial. Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't think beef's gone quite there unless you're talking about beyond meat or something like that, but the meat that you're getting at the grocery store is, you know, debase somewhat, right? Like we're 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 talking about like even aging uh, the the meat. Um, you know, that that adds something to the meat that human bodies really crave or like or find tasteful. Um, you know, even something as small as that, it, it's a it's a debasement of, of the meat because it's it's not quite the way that your body enjoys it. And instead it's artificially sort of like Scaled up and uh, weight as a result of uh, processing it very quickly. So, all, all of those things add up, and, uh, and, and you get the basement um, just like you do with money.
0: Yeah. And there's so much that we could go into as far as the basement. We'll just start we'll stick with beef, <laughs> you know, because that's what <laughs> I do. But, you know, there's, I, I tell people there's a cattle drive going on here in, in in the world that a lot of people are not aware of. That cattle drive starts in uh, Brazil on grass, but then the, those cattle get driven to Mexico where they're finished off with a lot of uh, grains that basically aren't the best grains. You know, they're, they're, they're GM, you know, genetically modified grains and those cattle fatten up and then they come into texas and then basically they get processed in texas by one of these uh big global processing centers and that is the that is the beef that the united states and a lot of people in texas are getting uh talk about touch points you know how many touch points is that cattle going through as far as middleman before it basically gets to your plate even if it's you know the market access of that is controlled by these processing centers as well so let's that, that, that's that's enough for a cow to be stressed out. It's not going to be the healthiest cow. It's, the life of that cow is not going to be the best. Well, once you get into the processing centers within our labeling laws and in the USDA and everything as is set up today, you know, you can, they have types of chemicals, you know, that they're putting in these meats to make it more red, to, to increase the weight. As you say, the hanging weight, they don't have to dry ages long. They don't have to hang them for two and two and a half to three and a half weeks, which which actually helps that meat in the long run, um, they're able to basically uh, fuse meat together, make it look like a steak that wasn't a steak. There's so many little things that the current industrial meat industry can do that the general public has no clue about. And so how it's being able to be hidden through labeling laws, through marketing plans, because, you know, the marketing of food should not be your number one indication of that you're getting a good product. We know that in the United States, I do not like to buy things that have a great big marketing plan behind it as far as if I'm going to be consuming that. That's that comes with content and that comes with food. So just a general understanding of the whole market access and what happens and all those touch points. It should be enough to, you know, motivate a lot of people beyond the nutrition to be able to say, Hey, I've, I've got some empowerment now. I understand food better. And now I have a direct access to it. And, you know, that's why I started within the Bitcoin space, because I know, Most of us Bitcoiners are very intentional. There's a lot of Bitcoiners that have strong faith. And to tie all these together really is a good way to kind of change your lifestyle and point your compass in a different direction. Um, Talking about seed oils, talking about the debasement overall of our nutrition. I was talking with uh, Dr. Mary Carey yesterday and she was talking about, you know, she calls it the food ditch. You know, a hmm. lot of people have that brain fog and they're not thinking clearly. And, you know, she she sees a lot of children, but she, she starts off, she goes, I said, who's your number one patient that you want to, you want to touch? She goes, the moms, I need to get the moms thinking clearly again. So what she has them do is. Is that she recommends a 48-hour bone broth fast, and mm-hmm. she she basically requires that because she has her own practice now. She kind of stepped out of the mainstream medical industry, and now she's doing you know her thing. Uh, she's licensed, of course, doctor certified everything, but she says that 48 bu- bone broth fast is one of the most effective ways to get people thinking clearly again because our brains are inflamed because of the industrial, basically processed food that we are consuming. So Mm -hmm. I found that fascinating because you used the word simple before everybody needs to basically get back to the basic simplicity of sourcing your food. And, you know, that's why I've been working with ranchers. That's why, you know, I've partnered up with co with KNC cattle is that we can basically create that direct market access and people can have that, you know, security again, and they can have that clear head if they just follow a few simple steps, you know, cause the beef initiative is, is, is bonding with, uh, doctors, the medical field, the, you know, the beef industry, the Bitcoin, world, um, you know, faith-based, you know, leaders, and it's really come together. And that's pretty much why I decided to have this, you know, first annual Beef Initiative conference. And, uh, you know, I was so happy that you decided that you were going to be available to speak. Um, you know, we're going to have the conference on Saturday, April 23rd, but on Sunday, we're also going to have a prayer service there in Kerrville. It's a, it's a pretty fascinating little hill that has a pretty um, large cross on it. Were you able to look that up? I sent you an email about it. (laughs)
1: I I haven't, but uh, it it is very interesting because I I think what you're talking about is all the little debasement uh, steps that happen in the current meat processing uh, industry where, you know, like they might fuse meat together or inject a little bit of color to make it look better or to you know not hang it as long and keep the water weighed and all, all of these little steps uh you know they add up and you you get the based meat uh, and that's that's what's on your plate whereas you know if you have a much uh if you have a rancher that you trust and you're you're able to you know get the cow uh, from a local rancher, you don't have all of those debasement steps. And you 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 get something that's a lot more genuine. And this is really the the argument that we give for Bitcoin. You there is no debasement of Bitcoin. You you just get Bitcoin and there you you're not no one is going to print anymore or anything like that. And um, whereas with the dollar there's debasement all over the place. There's uh, you know like banks and central banks and uh, you know all all of these uh, organizations that are able to inflate the money supply and it's debasing your money, the money that you have in your pocket, and it's uh, it's done. Uh, Sort of with the without even like a money printer now anymore. It's just like you know a stroke of a keyboard or something like that, and it's it's terrible because that debasement ultimately leads to you know you having less. Uh, Much like with with the food, you you have much less of that, and and really uh, for Christians this should be all very familiar. You know, one way to look at sin is. It's a debasement of who you are as a person. And every time you sin, you're debasing yourself. And th- this is something that God demands, um, you know, so- something be done for because he doesn't want you to be debased. Um, yet that's that's exactly what we've done. And uh, and, you know, bringing that into, you know, all of creation, all, all, everything that we're seeing, um, especially our food, um, but also how we interact with each other and everything else. We, we don't want relationships to get the base. We don't want our food to get the base. We don't want, you know, everything that we interact with, you know, we want it to be as pure as possible because that that's that's how we're designed. That's a, that that's what we're uh, made to uh, interact with. And that's ultimately what uh, the the kind of world that we're looking forward to where we we can have, you know the pure stuff the better stuff the um the stuff that uh that that is more in line with uh, you know what our bodies can take what our spirits can take and what 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 we're meant for essentially to live the best life you know we, we can't have debased stuff all, all of that debasement is just utterly corrupting to our souls <laughs>
0: It is, and it, it, it causes a lot of, of confusion, and you, and you bring up a kind of a, an idea in my head of what I've, I face and what I approach whenever I'm speaking to ranchers, um, and, you know, they've been debased most of their lives, and they, they, they know the corruptions, they know the manipulations uh, within the cattle industry, they, they're, you know, they're, they're cattle people, they're, they're stewards of the land and they're stewards of the animals. And I ask them a lot of times, and this is, I want you to kind of listen to what I say, and I want you to come back with your understanding of how you might talk to a rancher about Bitcoin. What I usually ask them is, you know, where's the value of the cow these days? And, you know, I have so many different ranchers basically give me so many different answers, depending on who the rancher is, maybe geographically, uh, what type of rancher, you know, animal producer or grass farmer they are. They all have a different answer. Some of it's pretty positive sometimes and sometimes it ends up with an answer. Well, the value of the cow now is then USDA insurance policy it's not in the cow itself anymore it's not in the meat anymore Uh, at times it's been in the land in which the the cattle you know roamed on at times it has been the the cow at times it was basically you know tied to the gold standard and you know i talk about you know because you just don't go up to a rancher and say, hey, do you take Bitcoin? <laughs> you know, you, <laughs> you, there is an education process there. And you, you talk about decentralization with them. You talk about, you know, debasement, the value of a cow in a store of value. And so that usually is a good lead in to be able to start educating about Bitcoin, because I tell them that there's a new store of value that you're going to be able to leverage in the long term, if you if you're able to look at your business model, if you're able to get out from underneath the umbrella of maybe of the monetary system and of the basically agricultural system that has you as far as, you know, the, the chemical companies, the seed companies and everything like that. Um, once, you know, a, a rancher understands and can speak and associate to their understanding of what a store of a value for their cow should be and what they really want it to be they're starting to understand that maybe they can start becoming their own bank again, that the store Mm -hmm. of the value couldn't be in the cow, it can be in their land, it can be in something that they actually have control over and that is not hijacked by an apparatus that has gotten us further and further away of having that store of value of something that would help maintain their legacy as a rancher. What are your Mm -hmm. thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, it it totally makes sense that for them, um, you know, talking about store value and sort of like uh, avoiding the debasement of money uh, or I mean, they they know that they've uh, they've been getting screwed over and uh, and sort of showing them the um, the value of their property uh, and getting the most value out of it, I, I think makes a lot of sense. I, I would say probably to a lot of ranchers, like just, um, you know, what, what's inflation been like for you? I'm, I'm sure they're like, they're, uh, you know, all sorts of costs have gone up, right? Like, yes. you know, like, Oh, what, what I'm sure their grain feed has gone up or whatever. Uh, you know, if they want to do repairs on their property or something like that, that's going to I, I just replaced my water heaters uh, the other day. And it, it was like it was an insane amount of money compared to what I know water heaters used to cost, like maybe even five years ago. But that's the reality. Right. Like when when you have an inflationary currency, a currency that's continuing to be debased, you're just going to have to pay more. And now now you have to charge down, uh, you know, more money for your product downstream. Um, And this this causes all sorts of, um, you know, it it introduces a lot of room for uh, sort of fakeness, artificiality. I mean, the the reason why we have so much of that in the current meat industry is because of inflation, right? Like, you know, at, at some point it was, yeah, uh, you know, some somebody was like, "Okay, well, we've been paying this much. Uh, there's more supply of money, so we have to raise prices, or we could debase the product." And they decided to go with the easier way and debase the product. And that that's essentially what's happened to beef over and over again. Not just beef, of course. There's all kinds of other uh, food items that have been debased, and we're paying for it with our health. And that that that's horrible. But that that debasement of money is at the root of all of this stuff, uh, and like getting them to understand that and to see that there's a store of value that's going to be much better, where you're not going to be motivated to debase your product, and instead, you know, make the best product that you can, uh, so that people will desire it, be, um, and you know, it being good for everybody else. That that's the direction that I think uh, you know uh, anyone working in any industry wants to go in is you know how do I make things better for my customers instead of how do I get away with doing worse you know like that that that's sort of like the unfortunate mentality that people in an inflationary economy have is how do I get away with doing worse rather than how can I do better for my customers.
0: Yeah. And now there's a green light to be able to do that. And that's what we're trying to start in the state of Texas. Just first up was really the education of how you how you get your food, uh, the touch points like we've talked about, what what those are, and then actually being able to understand that. We are so empowered now uh, with the work we've done within the beef initiative now to where the 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 feedback that I've been receiving from both the ranchers and from the consumers right now is that the lack of the the decrease of anxiety of basically understanding, you know, about food security. Now, Um, they don't have to pay attention to basically once they've established that connection with the rancher be, you know, here in Texas with Cole, my local producer here, uh, bloom on, um, Twitter, Justin, Uh, There's so many ways that your life improves. There's so many new touch points that people seem to have a new empowerment. I did a podcast with Cole the other night, kind of to kick off the discussions for the conference. And we were talking about, you know, there's a new lifestyle here that people can come and gravitate towards and it's fun. And, you know, what a beautiful time this year to be able to do it. Uh, Cole says there's, you know, a perfect storm for everything that we're working on as far as family families, parents, children that can really look forward to that. They can really kind of get a new spirituality to their lifestyle and they can tie it all together. And we can kind of basically lead a movement here that does end up with being a national health initiative. Um, What I like to I'm going to start plugging is that the American rancher is now going to be leading the health initiative of the United States. Mm -hmm. And we're going to educate on that all year long. Uh, You know, the conference that we're kicking off in Kerrville is, of course, the first one. We're going to have one in Colorado this year. We're going to have one in uh, Georgia this year. And, you know, at the end of the year, I hope to have a big health initiative, national health initiative conference. Probably, hopefully, maybe you know Austin, Texas. So you know there's a roadmap here that I'm 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 hoping that people can gravitate to that they can understand kind of like our discussions today that there's there's an entry point. We're building those on ramps. We're giving you access to have a transactional value within Bitcoin that you can source your food that is decentralized. You have an option to develop new relationships that are decentralized and not brought to you by uh, centralized m- mechanisms. that you do not have to pay attention to anymore we're going with sound money sound health sound communications for a sound future and you know how better to start except when texas and starting with pure animal protein and people that understand where we are as a nation and as a as you know as a country as a whole but uh, to be able to kind of have that torch, that leading light that people are looking at, you know, I'm very proud to be part of that. The, the people that I've met since we've started the Beef Initiative is, 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 is actually been wonderful in my life personally. My spirituality has grown by, you know, looking at these touch points of sound money sound health sound communications for a sound future which to me is you know increase the sound spirituality in my life
1: mm-hmm. i hope so and it's uh, it, it really is all about relationships and I, I i think money is sort of like a main touch point on that is it it's a way we can sort of define a lot of relationships and so on And uh, because of the monetary debasement, our relationships have largely been debased as well. And that's uh, that's an unfortunate side effect. And, uh, you know, most people are very lonely and aren't part of uh, thriving communities. And, uh, you know, one of the things I really appreciate about the Bitcoin community is that it is. Uh, You know, much, much more genuine and real and you get to know a lot of people. And I think you're you're starting to see a lot of that when you're going to these Bitcoin meetups and stuff where, you know, you you get to know people and there's a genuineness. There's a, you know, a connectedness that maybe um, isn't as uh, prominent in other industries and so on, which uh, which which I, I personally really like you know it's it's like uh it's genuine non-debased relationships and that that's ultimately what what you want to have um and you know we we get uh interestingly enough we get back to a more genuine spirituality as well um a, a more authentic christianity at least for me um and you know i i don't think i'm being blasphemous when i say like <laughs> bitcoin bitcoins helped me uh you know become a better christian because I'm seeing things, uh, you know, better for what they are and, uh, you know, sort of having, um, you know, kind of being red pilled into into Bitcoin, um, it's red pilled me on a lot of other things. And I'm seeing reality as it is rather than what I wish it to be or what uh, the elites in the, uh, in society want, want me to see it as, and that, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. That's a wonderful thing. And I, I really hope that more people can experience that sort of awakening or seeing things, um, you know, outside of the brain fog of seed oil and, you know, um, you know, whatever the elites want to tell you. And, it's unfortunate because, I, I, like, I think COVID showed us that a lot of people like that brain fog and, uh, you know, would rather um, follow orders rather than know the truth. Um, and but you know, there there is a is a remnant or a community that's uh, that's, you know, going against that trend. And I I am excited that we're getting to start that.
0: Yeah, one thing that I I really, um, and that's a good way to point in that direction as far as just getting started. Um, One thing that a lot of people, that I, I'm up here in the Texas panhandle. It's different than Austin, of course. But one thing I wanted to speak to you about today is that, you know, I'd meet a lot of young, uh, both men and women that are trying to get, you know, based in life, try to maybe, you know, have a different outlook, uh, try to understand Bitcoin, of course, starting to understand food again. I do a lot of mentoring for a lot of teenagers here in the Texas panhandle, One thing that I've promised all of them that I would uh, if I if I ever got to do a podcast with you is to kind of give a a quick synopsis of how they can actually get started in education, and maybe programming. You know, how can somebody get their foot in the door as far as understanding programming towards maybe, you know, going towards Bitcoin? They want to know what is the on-ramp because, you know, that's what you, you, you're doing a great educational thing there in Austin, you know, with the University of Texas. Can you speak about that a little bit and kind of give everybody that listens to this, you know, how can they get started?
1: Yeah, I mean, getting into programming is, uh, you know, that, that, that's a little more difficult. I, I, I educate more programmers that mm-hmm. are already programmers, and then I can get them into Bitcoin. That, that, that part's, I think, uh, where my forte is. But um, it, to answer your question about, you know, how, how do people get into programming? There, there's a lot of, I think, uh, grassroots kind of, uh, you know, entrepreneurial people that have that figured this out. A lot of boot camps essentially um, help uh, people that you know have that sort of like mental um, capacity or model or ability to to be programmers to help them and get get them into programming jobs, like you know within like six to eight weeks or something like that. Um, so if you are interested, there's plenty of those kinds of uh opportunities available um oftentimes they'll cost a lot of money but they also guarantee you a job if you finish their program something like that so um you know there there's uh there's that you can also study on your own um i and i encourage that there's a there's a website called py4e.org which stands for python for everyone and it's taught by a University of Michigan professor. And the idea is you don't have to know anything about programming. You can just get started, understand what coding is and start, uh, you know, down that road. Um, Once you have some basics with programming, then you can start understanding a lot of the programming concepts behind Bitcoin, uh, which, uh, to be frank, aren't trivial. You, you, you have to learn a bunch of things before it's going to be make sense. But you know that that's what I'm here for, and that's why programming Bitcoin. It's to uh, guide people in that direction and do it in sort of like nice, easy to digest uh, chunks, so that by the end of it, you 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 have confidence to you know, sort of understand, okay, this is what a transaction is, this is what a block is, this is what proof of work is, all, all these terms that we sort of throw, in, throw around. If you know it at a program, programmatic level, you really know it. Uh, whereas for a lot of people, they just sort of have a, an abstract conceptual understanding, which honestly is uh, like a debased understanding of things. Uh, you, If you really want to know it, you really want to, you'll want to dig into it and uh, sort of have hands-on experience with it, and that's. Uh, you know, I would encourage you to do that. Um, uh, and yeah, like go. Uh, you know, the nice thing about the internet is that all of this stuff is just sort of available. It's not for the lack of information. It's almost always for the lack of uh, you know desire or curiosity. Um, and if you have that desire or curiosity, then the world's yours.
0: Yeah, it really is. Having that understanding, basically, it's just like, hey, you have to be, you don't have to be directed here. You just build, bring that curiosity and that that willpower to it. And, you know, make it something that's very intentional. It has a sense of agency. Uh, that's kind of what I always <laughs> tell them. But it's always good to have that, you know, that that one uh, website that maybe, you know, they can go, oh, okay, they can have confidence in. So what was that again? Pi, pi what?
1: Pi4e.org. Um, there, there's also a really nice website for where you have to set up very little. Um, and it's called Replit, R-E-P-L. It. Um, and you know there, there's a bunch of uh, tutorials based on that 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 are very instructive as well, and it's all within the browser, so you don't have to install anything sure. new or whatever. And you can you you can start programming and. Get get on it right away. I know that's very very popular with schools and and such to uh, teach and and they have tutorials for Replit on YouTube and so on. So you can go look up those too. Great. Uh, but there there's plenty of resources um, and yeah. I, I, I I like Replit because uh, like with something like Py4e.org, what what you have to do is install a bunch of stuff first and make sure your environment's correct before you can get started. With Replit, you can just sort of get started without any of that, and that's uh, that's very helpful. I hopefully they'll upgrade uh, or uh, change that class to use something like Replit, so you know people don't have to spend so much time on setting things up. Uh, Which tends to discourage people. It's like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Uh, Rather, you know, they can get into sort of like the guts of programming and the art of programming and the joy of programming almost right away, which I think would be helpful to get people hooked and curious.
0: Yeah, uh, it is my son 17. I have a couple of other guys that I'm mentoring. They're 17. They're about, you know, sound health right now for their age. They're really taking care of themselves. They they want to have that type of guidance to how they can get started. That gives them some freedom and empowerment. And if you've got the curiosity, you know, I I know Python, you know, that is is a great start. So, you know, that 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 little uh 5 minutes is actually probably going to change somebody's life. So, I appreciate that. Um, you know, Sure. <laughs> it, it does. You, hey, it's one lamb at a time, right? That's what we're mm-hmm. talking about here. So, um, you know, on that note, next week we have BitDevs in Austin, Texas on uh, April 21st. Are you going to be there?
1: Absolutely.
0: And I'm actually
1: teaching a class April 20th and 21st in that same space. Okay. Uh, and, you know, a bunch of developers. Um, you know, there's still open spots, though. You're going to have to, uh, like, email me right away if you want to get in. Uh, but yeah, I I'm gonna be at BitDev's. Um, you know, that's always a fun activity, right? You get like 150, 200 people uh-huh. in a small space, and you know you're interacting, meeting other Bitcoiners, talking about things. Um, and there's a fair, fairly large number of Christians that come out to the thing too, so it's it's always interesting. Uh, you know, uh, seeing how many people um, like crossover in other uh, other areas, so. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, the beef initiative is like two days later. So that, mm-hmm. that's going to be an exciting and fun week for everybody involved
0: yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it um of course we'll see each other uh, how do how does somebody email you if they want to get in that class next week since it's uh, so of-
1: there's an application form on my website programmingbitcoin.com and you can uh, you can look at the programming blockchain class and click apply and you can ab- uh, apply to get into the class and if if you do then i will send you an acceptance email and and then you can pay and then you can get into the class that's how it works
0: Right. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Jimmy, on that note, what we're going to do today is we're going to look forward to next week. Uh, I'm going to say a lot, uh, thank you, and much grace for we got to finally make this happen. The last time we tried, we had some technical difficulties, of course, the internet. And so, uh, you know, we've had a good talk this uh, this hour, and um, you know, next uh, week from this Saturday, April 23rd, Kerrville, Texas, first annual Beef Initiative Conference. Jimmy Song will be there. We'll be talking a little bit about Bitcoin, beef, and spirituality, of course. You can go to beefinitiative.com to buy your tickets. Uh, come see Jimmy. Take the family. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of different activities that you can do in Kerrville, Texas. It's the hill country. We've got the Guadalupe River. It's a nice road trip. If you're coming from Central Texas, San Antonio, Austin, anywhere across the state of Texas, it's going to be a good drive to get there. I hope you and your family actually have a great drive from Austin, Jimmy.
1: Mm-hmm. I certainly will. It's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Well, Hey, I appreciate you, Jimmy. And uh, looking forward to uh, this next week coming up and uh, God bless. Okay. Thank you. Well, take care. Here at the beef initiative, we encourage all your ranchers out there to tell us who and where you are so we can let everybody know they're looking for you. This time I'm shouting out KNC Cattle out of Austin, Texas. KNCCattle.com. Cole, he's a fourth-generational Texas rancher, he knows what he's doing.